Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. One of the things that uh, is a priority to me, I want to share it with you, begin on a personal note here, share with you something that's important to me, and that is to pray consistently for our pastoral team. And we have a great pastoral team here at Pathway. Pastor Nathan, who's, who's away with his family uh, in these days for a well-deserved, well-needed holiday. Todd and Andrew and Don. The team consists of Jessica and Rhea and Jason. And uh, I, let's show these guys our appreciation. Give them a little love. That's it. Love our pastoral team. Appreciate them. I, uh, I want to start, as I say, on a personal note uh, and thank, thank you, the uh, Pathway Church family, for your thoughts and your prayers. It's been about two years since Linda and I uh, have been a part of this local expression of the body of Christ. And uh, one of the great things uh, as we have been a part of things here, we, we've uh, bumped into uh, old acquaintances and old friends, and it, it's been great to reconnect and made many new friends. Uh, it, it's a great community here, and we really appreciate it and are so grateful for it. So thankful for your prayers and for your thoughts. Uh, to receive a text periodically, hey, thinking about you guys, praying for you today, those, those things are so precious and so beneficial. Uh, it was about a month ago now that Pastor Nate had contacted me and shared that uh, he and the family were going to be away on holidays over these days and asked me if uh, I would be willing to speak. And, and indeed, it is always such a privilege to be able to be here with you and to share from my heart and to share from God's Word, uh, to share words of encouragement and, uh, and inspiration and uh, challenge all of us in our, in our walk of faith. Um, I had no idea when he asked me what it was that I was going to speak on. He had shared with me, Pastor Nate had shared that he was wrapping up a sermon series and that I was really free to, to uh, share whatever I, I felt God leading me to do that. So, <clears throat> I've got a friend that says periodically, God works in mischievous ways. That's a wonder <laughs> that he performs. He does show up. The first service thought that was hilarious. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> so, check this out. About an hour and a half after I got off the phone with Pastor Nate, Linda called my wife and shared with me the news that the test results of some fluid that she had removed from her lung uh, indicated that the cancer's back. About an hour and a half after that call, I received a telephone call from the Kawartha Cardiac uh, Clinic here in Peterborough 
whereby they monitor. I have a device in my chest that's a defibrillator and a pacemaker, and they monitor me. Uh, I'm never out of the, the reach of the hand of God or theirs. <clears throat> and they shared with me that I was, I was in this, uh, this atrial fibrillation or atrial flutter. My heart wasn't beating the way that it's supposed to and that I would probably need to go in for a procedure. So, uh, two, two tough phone calls for sure. Um, what, uh, what to do, what to do? I began to think, I know, um, I want to talk about when suffering strikes. But don't be disheartened. Don't be dismayed. Uh, <laughs> as I thought about that, I, I turned to Linda and I said, Hun, how do I start even talking about when suffering strikes, when suffering and challenge and difficulty shows up at the front door? She said this. Begin with hope. I'm going to start there. I'm going to end there this morning, and I trust that hope Whatever situation it is that you're dealing with, hope will take and be carried out the door with you into your car, whatever the rest of your day, week, and life looks like. I want to just, in a nutshell, maybe a peanut shell as opposed to a coconut shell, share with you a little bit of our story. I know many of you know it. Some of you may be here this morning, and what on earth is he talking about? What's going on with them? What's their story? Um, in 2016, my wife Linda was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. It's one of those things that the more people we meet, uh, we discover that just about everybody has been affected in some way, shape, or form through a family member or friend with this rotten disease. 2016, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. She's had three reoccurrences. She's received 24 chemo treatments over those uh, the, the three or almost four years. If you include and go back to 2009 when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, she's actually had a total of 32 chemo treatments. This probably has something to do with the fact that the, the cancer is growing increasingly um, less... Uh, the cancer's not responding like it should to the chemo. Uh, it's, it's had enough. Um, and so as this journey marches on, um, the last six weeks, Linda, within the last six weeks, Linda's had just over a liter of fluid removed from one of her lungs and just under a liter of fluid removed from, from her heart. This last week, keep it real current and recent, this last week, Monday through Friday, uh, Linda, every day, was either in a doctor's office or in a hospital. Uh, we were at Princess Margaret on Wednesday and RVH on Friday as Linda continues uh, chemo treatments. Um, it's, uh, it's a challenging time. And if, you're, and if you're a person who's going through this or something similar, you know what I'm talking about. Me, on the other hand, in an attempt to be the strong tower of strength, um, 
in all of this. Uh, I also have uh, some health challenges, and it's not a competition, uh, but I... Now, the first service didn't laugh at that. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was very interesting. <clears throat> uh, but I had hope that, that you would, so I'm good now. My heart pumps at 50% of what it's supposed to. So this morning, uh, one of my attempt is, is to give you 100% of 50%. I have a defibrillator and a pacemaker and a CRT, as I, as I mentioned to you earlier. And uh, it is, it's madness. Um, when I think about our health situation, if you asked any of our boys uh, or daughter-in-laws, they'll tell you that mom and dad are a couple of medical messes. Uh, the reality is, is that Linda and I don't want to be defined by that. We, we see where we're at, even our health challenges, as part of our journey. They are certainly in an increasing manner. We even see them as a gift. So what is it that we want to be defined by? A statement that I've already heard and you've heard that I think preaches really, really well. This statement preaches, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. That's what we want to be defined by. I'll give you a practical example of what that looks like, how this is a gift, and how we wouldn't change anything for the world, which sounds odd. sounds odd in my ears. It may sound odd in yours. We were, we were coming home from one of these hospital trips, and we really are uh, always, always trying to be real and authentic and open and, and talk freely and communicate openly. And I asked her, Hun, today, what are you most encouraged with? She said, well, the relationship that we have with our kids, our boys, and, and each one of our daughter-in-laws and our grandbabies, and that's, that's a bright light. That's the thing I'm most encouraged with. And then I asked her, Hun, what do, you, what do you think the greatest challenge is that we're dealing with? She said, undoubtedly, our health. And then I asked this, would you ever trade one for the other. About three hours later, she answered me, no, I just get First service laughed at that as well. <laughs> Without a moment's hesitation, she said, not in a minute. Not in a minute. Uh, no. Why? This overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God is what's at the center and is at the core of the good news of who Jesus is and what he's doing in our world and, and in our lives. You see, nothing depicts the gospel of grace more than when suffering enters our lives. Let me say that again. Nothing depicts the gospel of grace 
more than when suffering, when difficulty, when challenges invades our life. I'd ask you to turn with me to, or I'm going to read it here, listen in, John chapter 9, just a couple of verses I'd like to read for you. Uh, love this passage of Scripture. Love what it has to say about Jesus and this, this good news and gospel that I'm talking about. Starting at verse 1 of chapter 9. As he went along, that, that's Jesus, walking along the road. He saw a man blind from birth. Now just because of the way my mind works, I'm thinking, did Jesus recognize him because he had a white cane? Did he recognize him because he was bumping into things and people? And oh, excuse me, oh, sorry. How did he know? How did he notice? How, how did he recognize? How did he realize he was blind? In all likelihood, one, one of the things that we can know for sure is that if he was blind, the scripture tells us he, he was, he was likely begging. Because that's the only way that people who were blind could receive any money. They were kind of outcasts from community and from society. So they would beg to get money to be able to sustain themselves. And when he looked and saw this man begging, Jesus also recognized that he was blind, blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, boy, isn't it something how suffering and difficulty in our lives or even somebody else's life can present a teachable moment? Oh, God. May I not miss the teachable moments when suffering shows up at the door. Disciples asked, hey, Rabbi, who sinned? This man? Or his parents? Who sinned that he was born blind? Is he looking for fault? looking for what went wrong, looking to try to blame and pin this on somebody and, and someone. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the cause and effect pursuit. What happened here? You know the first question oftentimes we ask in, in suffering and in struggle and difficulty is why? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why? It's a great question. It's a reasonable question. It's a fair question, providing it's accompanied by other great questions as well. And Jesus' response is this. After the disciples say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus says, if you take a look at the original language, he says, you idiot. (laughs) 
No, he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. Really? What do you mean? Jesus said, this has happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Are you serious? No, 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 no. This suffering, this difficulty, this, this challenge, this, this was given to me to, to be able to, to stew within my life, to, to worry about in my life, to, to, to be so concerned about that it consumes every... No, 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 Jesus says no. This suffering and this difficulty, this struggle, has come along so that, in fact, in fact, the good news is, is that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Jesus said, well, I am in the world. I am the light of the world. Just going back to the disciples for a second. The reason I'm going back is because there's so much of, of the disciples in me. When, when the whole cause and effect thing is wrestled through, when I want to find out, you know, why this happened, what it really is in the majority of cases is when I, when I can identify the fault and identify the source, say, ha, there you go. That's why this person is suffering the way they are. Look at this. It kind of absolves me of responsibility. I can justify the fact that, you know what? There's, there's a reason right there this has happened. I don't have to do anything about it. That... We flirt with that sometimes. I know I do in my life. What's also interesting about Jesus' response is this. As he shared with the disciples in this teachable moment that it wasn't the man's fault or a sin. It wasn't his parents' fault. It wasn't somebody throwing something in his eyes that caused him to be blind. The explanation is simple, but difficult. We live in a broken world where sickness and disease and challenges and difficulties and frustrations and hurts are our experience. From Genesis chapter 1 through the Scripture, one of the things that we see is the results of a broken world. And one of the beautiful things, it's one of the reasons I, re I love this chapter, chapter 9 of John, is that the purpose for Jesus to come into the world is to reconcile. It's an accounting term. So that this, the numbers on this page, equal the numbers on that page or that column. And Jesus came not to make sick people well, but to make dead people alive. 
Nothing depicts the gospel of grace more than when suffering enters our lives. Suffering challenges and difficulties can cause us to define life. How do you define life? How do you define it? Is it defined by your house? Is it defined by the amount of money you make? By your job? By the number of toys that you have? Is your life defined even by a 35-year marriage? Is your life defined by how your children have turned out the way they've turned out? What defines your life? One of the things that suffering and challenges and difficulty can do is help us to define life. And here's what we're left with, friends. Life is a person. And his name is Jesus. And nothing can separate us from him. Hey, listen. <laughs> you need to know something. Uh, periodically, <clears throat> Linda and I love to go out and spend time on our motorcycle. I like the house. I love the fact that I live right across the road from Schmong Lake. I love the things that, that God has given me to look after and, and care for until I move on from here. I like those things. As an aside, my, I have, um, in Tr Toronto General Hospital, I have a um, cardiologist who's a transplant doctor. And <clears throat> she tells me that at some point I might have a heart transplant. And she says, in all likelihood, it'll be between the months of May and October. Me, thinking the way that my mind works, I said, well, what's the deal with those months? She said, they're called cycle donors. Yeah, motorcycles. So I'm thinking, go ahead and hit us. You can't hurt us when we're on our bike. It's just one of those things that you think about when, you know, First service, never mind. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, the things that we have in life are great, but life is a person, and that person is Jesus. And he'll never leave us. He knows exactly, he understands us, as we saw. I'm right here, sweetheart. That's one of, that's my, that's one of my grandbabies right there. That was a little amen. Um, we suffer what we suffer. And as I look out over this auditorium this morning, I'm not in denial. I know that behind the, hey, how you doing? Good, good, great. What's behind that lie is pain and suffering and difficulty, and challenges. We suffer what we suffer. But stay with me. I'll, I will repeat this. We suffer what we suffer, but we also suffer how we suffer. You know, know any, do you know anybody who, 
who's going through a very difficult time, they're not suffering well. We suffer what we suffer, but we also suffer how we suffer. And to illustrate this and to put some, some meat on the bones of this suffering how we suffer, I have identified three traps or three places that we go in terms of how we suffer. The first is, the first trap of suffering is the trap of doubt. It's possible to go there. When we suffer, it's tempting to allow ourselves to doubt the goodness of God. It's, it's possible for us to interpret. <laughs> you know, we, we got we to gotta believe and realize we interpret everything, right? We interpret our suffering as the evidence that God is actually less than he's depicted in the scriptures. What do I mean? Well, if he is loving, if God really is a God of love, this wouldn't be happening to me. Or if he's, if he's so generous as he's depicted to be, why on earth wouldn't he take this away from me? Or if he's the protector, like everybody says and like the word declares, he wouldn't have allowed this to enter the door of my life. You ever tempted to bring God into the court of, of judgment? during a time of suffering or difficulty. The second trap or the second place that we can land is the trap of worry, I call it. The way many of us work through our suffering, our difficulty, is by, by working through all of the, the possibilities. What if I had only done this? What if I didn't do this? What if that person who has caused this suffering and struggle in my life hadn't have been there? How we wish, how we wish that we could rewind the clock, rearrange the pieces of the puzzle of our lives, we keep ourselves awake at night with questions that we have no answers for. We worry because we've lost, and here it is, we worry because we've lost control over our life, lost control, control over our situations. When struggle, when struggle strikes, when suffering strikes, one of the things is, is so disarming because one of the places that we land is this place of feeling like we've lost control. Can't fix it. What about you? What about me? Strug do we struggle with regret? Struggle with worry? The third is the trap of envy. Sometimes when we suffer, when challenges and difficulties take up residence, we're tempted to believe somehow 
that this suffering has arrived at the wrong address. Somebody switched the labels on the boxes. It's here, but it's not supposed to be here. This isn't intended for me. And envy leads to a couple, can, can lead to a couple things. One is, we can, we can take a look beyond our situation and circumstance and envy somebody else's life. Why can't things have turned out like the Robinsons or whoever? We may resent those who have a, a very different lifestyle than we do. People, we may even look at people and think, man, you know what? This suffering and struggle that I'm experiencing would actually be better directed towards those folks. <laughs> yeah, crazy things happen here in suffering. What about you? What about me? Have we fallen, have you fallen into or flirted with any of these traps or these places? The trap of, of envy. The trap of worry. The trap of doubt. Each one of these traps provides something wonderful for you and me. There's, there's, other, there's probably other traps, many other traps. But these three provide something for us. They provide a choice point. A choice point between spending time in the trap or trusting God. Trusting Him. His overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love. It is a source of strength in the midst of the most difficult suffering. These can, these can be words of death when a pastor says, I'm moving towards conclusion. Oh yeah, don't ever believe them. They know not what they talk about. <laughs> thinking about suffering, thinking about when suffering strikes, in an attempt to be re very real and transparent with you. Um, I wanted to define for you what Linda and I have experienced about what suffering is and what it can do. It feels like a roller coaster. Ups and downs. Sharp turns with no warning. I know, I know, Linda, bless her heart, <clears throat> she hasn't said this, but I haven't said it enough times for her. Um, stop the ride. I want to get. It's a workout, suffering and struggle and difficulty. It's a workout, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. It's a workout. And the, 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 the barbells that we lift and work with and the exercise equipment's characterized by frustration and anger, happiness, sadness, encouragement, and discouragement. The whole gamut. I can't believe I could feel all these things. And sometimes all in the span of an hour. What about you? 
Not always, but usually there's no warning. One of the phrases that Linda and I have, ad- have adapted is, what a difference a day makes. And while it sounds like a cliche, this learning to live one day at a time, Do any of us live any differently than that? We struggle to, but that's what we have. That's why we see our suffering as a gift, because what we have is today, and we're we're realizing in an ever-increasing manner, it's, it's what we do with this that makes a difference. To put it another way, we can't control what happens to us but we can control how we respond to what happens to us. Love these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Mm. Hope they're a source of strength and encouragement to you. Just read a couple words from 2 Corinthians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. In preparation for today, I spoke to some people that... I've witnessed suffer well. Have have done a have done a good job in the midst of suffering and struggle. And ask them questions like what's a, what's been a source of strength? What's some, what are some things that you've learned in the midst of suffering and struggle? And every one of them, without exception, says, suffering and struggle, it's brought me to the end of myself. Every time. It's brought me to the end of myself. And it's normally there that this overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God (laughs) grabs a hold of me. I don't know how that is, but that's, that's the way that it is. But my question is, that thin space, that place between coming to the end of ourselves and embracing the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, what is it that, that helps us In that space and time. I believe in part it's this. You see. Sometimes the greatest healing. In a time of suffering and difficulty. Is not a cure for the disease. But community. Do I need to say that again? I don't know how to take your silence. 
that thin space, that chasm that exists, is managed best in community. Every text, every meal, every expression of love and care. Do you realize that you and I have been comforted by God, have been captured by God, have been loved by God, to be able to turn to the person on your left, right, in front of you, behind you, that live next door to you, wherever, and to be shared. Mother Teresa, bless her heart, said it this way. Boy, does this illustrate the work of God on display through you and me. And does this ever illustrate the hope that I intended to start with and I'll end with? There is a light in this world, a healing spirit more powerful than any darkness that we may encounter. We sometimes lose sight of this force when there is suffering, when there's just too much pain. Then suddenly the Spirit, Spirit of Almighty God, will emerge through the lives of ordinary people who hear a call and answer in extraordinary ways. That's one way that we can manage. One way that we can thrive in the midst of suffering. Lord, I thank you for how well this idea and concept preaches, this overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of yours. Lord, my prayer is for each one of us today that we would take with us in our hands, in our hearts, in our minds, the truth and the reality that you love us and understand us unconditionally and long to pour yourself. You are all that we need into every nook and cranny of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.